way to the Good Friday service, a little bit late, skipping lunch, and decided to have a Big B's coffee instead of lunch. When you go into Big B's, or Beaners as it was called back then, uh, they are trained to ask you some real dumb questions. <laughs> like, how are you doing? What are you up to today? And it's the same questions everywhere you go in every, every Big B's store. So what are you doing today? I said, well, I'm on my way to a Good Friday service. The guy said, is that like a festival? I said, no, it's like a worship service. <laughs> Which after I said that sounded really lame. <laughs> like worship has no joy in it. So I felt like I had to describe a little bit more of what I was doing. I said, well, it's a service in which we remember the death of Christ, which in and of itself was bad because of the crucifixion, but it ended up really good. And the guy thought for a moment, I don't know if he was a believer or not, but he said this. He said, yeah, it's bad that he suffered, but good that he saved. And I thought, I should be doing your job, you should be doing mine. <laughs> That's a great line. But that's the essence, isn't it, of Good Friday? Bad that he suffered, good that he saved. There's all kinds of drama that goes on on Good Friday. And there's a whole lot of actors that have major roles in this amazing event that Pastor Ben read so well just a moment ago. But I want us to look at three of those actors, look at the role that they played, and also their connection to the cross. It's just part of the amazing drama. The first person I want to mention is Judas. I mention Judas because he caused it. He caused the cross. If you have your Bibles or you want to look at a pew Bible in front of you, I'm reading from Mark chapter 14 and verse 10. We're told, and Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray Jesus to them. What drama. One of his own. One of his trusted. And when they, the chief priests, heard it, they were glad, and they promised to give him money. And he sought how he might conveniently betray him. The name Judas comes from the name Judah, which means to praise, and Iscariot is the location of his hometown, which is actually a city, and of the 12, he's probably the only city boy. The rest are fishermen and farmers, for the most part. But he's the one who comes from the upper crust. He's the one who uh, perhaps is a little more professional and, and a, maybe even a little more educated, but he's numbered among the twelve. And for the most part, everyone thought that he was a good guy. Had to be, at least appearing to be, one of the faithful followers of Christ because when he finally does betray Jesus, no one knows what he's going to do. He'd fooled everybody except for Christ. Now you see, a lot of the disciples at that time, and I think Judas is part of this group, they were hoping that Jesus would bring in the kingdom. Remember James and John? Can we sit on your right hand and on your left when you finally establish the kingdom? And I think Judas thought, I'm going to hitch my wagon to this person, Jesus, and he'll bring in the kingdom, and I'll be on the cabinet. I'll have a position of authority and prominence. In fact, we read in Luke 19 in verse 10, Jesus had to tell 
a parable about the minas, which is a measurement of wealth and stewardship because so many people thought that the kingdom of God was coming right then. And I think Judas is one of them. In fact, it's my thinking that even on Palm Sunday, when people are shouting Hosanna and waving palm fronds at Jesus and recognizing that he is fulfilling Zechariah 9.9, I think Judas was right there saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, soon we'll have the kingdom. And it wasn't until Tuesday that he betrayed Jesus as we read with the chief priests. Judas was also a treasurer. Did you know that? Of the 12, he was chosen to be the treasurer. According to John chapter 12 and verse 6, he held the money bag or the money box. And we're told in chapter 13, he'd been taking out of it for his own needs. Jesus knew. Nobody else knew. He was a numbered among the 12. He was a treasurer. He was a thief, but he's also a traitor. And so at that last supper, when Jesus said, one of you will betray me, all the disciples said to one another, is it I? Is it I? And no one wanted to acknowledge it. And Judas knew who the traitor was. And finally, Jesus said to him, what you're going to do, do quickly. He got up to leave, and all the other disciples thought he was going to give money to the poor. No, he was going to get money for giving up Jesus. He's the one who betrayed Jesus, and he did it with a kiss. And today, no one names their baby Judas. Judas is connected to the cross because he caused it. The second guy I want to mention is Barabbas. He's connected to the cross because he escaped it. Look at chapter 15, Mark chapter 15. Verse 6 says, now at the feast, there was a custom to release one prisoner to grant amnesty to someone who had truly committed a crime. And they would release this prisoner based on the choice of the people. And there was one prisoner named Barabbas who was chained with his fellow insurrectionists. He had committed murder in the uprising, as it's called in John's Gospel. Insurrection and uprising. This guy was a bandit. He was a felon. He was a terrorist. He was a patriot who was committed to the overthrow of Rome. In his mind, the only Roman that was a good Roman was a dead Roman. And most likely, he was part of a group called the Sicarii, which means dagger. They would often carry daggers underneath their cloaks and at an appropriate moment just take the life of a Roman and run. He was captured and thrown in prison because of the insurrection, yeah, because of the insurrection. And the name Barabbas literally means son of Abba. Abba was a common name given many times to the rabbis, and we don't know this for sure, but it's very possible that this guy might have come even from a holy family. But now he was in prison. And so Pilate, wanting to get off the hook because he knew Jesus was innocent, said to the multitude, 
do you want me to release Jesus, the king of the Jews? And they said, no, give us Barabbas. The one person most shocked in the whole crowd was Barabbas himself. You've got to be kidding me. They're calling for me? Give us a lawbreaker instead of the lawgiver. Give us a man of war instead of the prince of peace. Give us a vicious criminal instead of the gracious king. Give us Barabbas. And so Pilate, because he was already in deep water with the Jews and wanted to give them something, gave them Barabbas. The scripture says in verse 15 of chapter 15, wanting to gratify, to satisfy, to appease the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them and he delivered Jesus to the Roman soldiers to be scourged and crucified. The crowd made their choice. And Barabbas gained his freedom at Jesus' expense. Barabbas escaped the cross. There's one final person, and this is also in Mark 15, verse 21, and his name is Simon. He bore the cross. So it was Judas who caused it, Barabbas who escaped it, and Simon who bore it. The Bible tells us in verse 21 of Mark 15, the Roman soldiers compelled a certain man named Simon of Cyrene, who was the father of Alexander and Rufus. He was coming, merely coming out of the country, and he saw the crowd passing by, and they drafted him, constricted him to bear the cross. You see, because all of Palestine was under Roman control, they could basically do whatever they wanted to do. It was the tap on the shoulder of the flat side of a Roman spear that meant you have just been taken into service. I don't know if he was bitter. I don't know if he was angry. I don't know if he was ashamed because he had to bear the cross. It's possible that this guy saved all of his life so that he'd get enough money just once to experience the Passover in Jerusalem. He's here on holiday. He's here to enjoy everything. And now he's carrying a shameful cross? That's the situation for Simon. We're told that he is from Cyrene, which is modern-day Libya in Africa. And it's very possible that Simon was a black African. We don't know for sure. But as he was carrying the cross of Jesus Christ, whatever his attitude was, being forced into this situation, something in, in Jesus got to him. Something about this person, the Messiah, got to him. Because we read later on, and it seems very probable, that this Simon is the one who's mentioned later on in the Scripture. You see, although Simon is mentioned in three Gospels, only the Gospel of Mark mentions his son. Verse 21, he's the father of Alexander and Rufus. Mark is writing to the Romans. And if you were to go to the book of Romans in chapter 16 and verse 13, Paul is merely greeting all of his friends in Rome, and he says, greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother and mine, that is, the mother of Rufus, is a dear, dear friend of mine. And it's quite possible 
that Simon, because he carried the cross, was converted to Christ, and his sons later on become part of the church in Rome. It's this same guy, quite possibly, in Acts 13, who is called Simon from Niger, again, Africa, who is one of the leaders and teachers of the church in Antioch that send out the gospel where the gospel ends up coming to Europe and ultimately coming to places like America. Maybe because Simon bore the cross. Three major actors on Good Friday playing major roles, all connected to the cross. But you know, in a sense, each one of these individuals portrays us. Because like Judas, you and I caused the cross. You ever think about that? It's not the Romans who nailed him there. It's not the Jewish priests who decided the plot to, to give him up. It's uh, not even Judas who betrayed him. Our sin nailed Jesus to the cross. He who knew no sin, he bore our sin so that we would be made the righteousness of God in him. You nailed Jesus to the cross and so did I. He died for your sin and mine. We caused it. And like Barabbas, if we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we gain our freedom at Jesus' expense. We become free. We don't have to endure the punishment of God's just wrath. Jesus took it for us. God's a holy and righteous God. He can't overlook sin. He has the punishment. So out of love, he sends his son to pay the penalty for your sin and mine. And now every soul who puts their faith and trust in Jesus escapes the penalty of death. Because Jesus died in my place. That's the gospel. That's why Good Friday is good. And if you'll trust Jesus Christ, the one who died in the cross will become your Savior and Lord. And you'll rejoice to know that heaven will be your home. And you'll spend, for etern you'll spend eternity with him. But not only that, like Simon, if we're going to follow Jesus Christ, we must take up our cross every day. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, if you want to be my disciple, take up your cross. Now, taking up your cross doesn't mean I endure something difficult. Oh, I've got a cold today. I feel sick. I guess I'll just bear my cross. No, that's not it. People who don't know Christ, people who hate Christ, have colds. What does it mean to take up the cross? It means to lose yourself in Christ. It means you died with Christ on the cross. And as it says in Romans 6, you've been buried with him by baptism into death, so that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, so you too walk in newness of life. And every day you take that cross, you say, I die to self and I live to Jesus alone. How often do you take up that cross? Every day. And so there's a lot of drama in the Good Friday story. Have you ever been to theater that is called participatory theater? It's the theater where there's a play going on on the stage and then they involve the crowd. 
and they'll come down and take someone from the crowd, and you get into the story. You weren't planning on it. You were coming to enjoy a wonderful theater uh, review or a wonderful theater uh, presentation. But they enlist you in, and you play a role. Sometimes it's quite comical. That's what happens with Good Friday. You came here today thinking, well, I'll go to a worship service and I'll hear a story, but maybe you didn't know Jesus was going to draw you in to the Good Friday story. You're in it just as much as Judas or Barabbas or Simon. The question is, whose role do you play? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the love that sent Jesus to die on the cross in our place. We thank you for the promise that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We thank you, Lord, that there are many here in this worship center today who have done that. At the wooing of your spirit, they've cried out for mercy, and you have forgiven their sin and given them hope. And now as a true believer, their heart's desire is to be like Christ. But Lord, I suspect in a crowd like this, there are some who have never yet bowed the knee to Jesus. They've never closed with Christ. They've never confessed their sin and said, Lord, save me, and never given their heart to Jesus in such a way that from henceforth, they want to follow Christ. They want to die to self and live for Jesus. Lord, I pray that you'll speak to their hearts and let them know that Good Friday is for them. In your name we pray, amen.